So, welcome to uh, chapter three. Uh, this is Decorative Arts in the Homeric World. This is the Bristol Grammar School uh, Class Civ GCC um, podcast. Um, we're going to talk about lots of really beautiful things. This is one where it really would be useful if you can, either to get on Google and search for these things and so you can see them, or preferably get the textbook um, and have a look. So many things to talk about. We're going to talk about frescoes, we're going to talk about jewellery, we're going to talk about all sorts of more um, kind of useful objects, but their decoration, things like drinking vessels, figurines and stuff like that. Um, should we start with frescoes, Mr Watkins? Definitely. So with frescoes, there are some prescribed pieces you need to know about, and then there are various other ones that could come up. The exam tip on page 182 gives you directions for how to respond to a fresco that's shown to you in the exam. What they're looking for is your opinion. So make sure you write, in my opinion, or I think that. But do use the guide to steer your answer. Make sure you talk about colour. Make sure you talk about the atmosphere of composition. So that is physically how are things laid out in the, in the, on, the, on the painting. What is the use of space like? Uh, talk about the realism so ask yourself, is this a realistic representation of a person? Does it look like what it should look like? Are the proportions accurate? Is the drapery, clothing shown realistic? Is it hanging naturally? And the use of shapes. So contrast between soft, curved lines and hard, bold, straight lines. One of the things to note is if you're looking for some good frescoes to practice on, um, it's not just in chapter three. Um, you can look back and in fact, technically the most important fresco that you've got to learn is actually in the previous chapter on page 172 in um, 2.2. It's the Mycenaean lady holding a necklace fresco, which as you know, depicts a Mycenaean lady holding a necklace. Um, but uh, some of the other ones um, can be used for other um kind of aspects of the Mycenaean age as well, such as the ship fresco, which tells you something about uh, trade. Um, it also might tell you something about um, what a Mycenaean city might have looked like, um, you know, the, the use of rivers, all that sort of thing. So the word fresco itself is quite interesting. It means fresh because this is paint applied to wet plaster on a wall. So these are wall paintings um, applied to fresh plaster. Now, the benefit of that is that if you paint into wet, fresh plaster, it's going to hold its colour for much longer. In these cases, over two and a half, three and a half thousand years. Um, the tricky thing is that as plaster dries, it shrinks in a little bit. And um, that means it's very challenging for the artist to get the uh, paint exactly where he wants it. Animals appear on frescoes, um, pictures of men and women, um, as I've mentioned, we had uh, ships. We've also got various different uh, kind of insects. Um, we've got uh, flowers. We've got all sorts of exciting things um, to be able to, to bring out from these. Um, and the colours uh, that we were talking about that, uh, that Daisy brought out in um, chapter two of the, um, the podcast uh, are also really uh, good to be able to um to, to kind of talk about you know the, the lime that you make white from the uh the ochre to make yellow um, you've got sort of uh the mineral malachite that could be used um and the mycenaeans clearly had a lot of color going on around them not just for their clothing but also for their frescoes it's important to know how they obtained each colour and what they used each colour for. So carbon was used to make black and that was uh, simply used for sort of bold uh, outlines or, or architectural structures. They, um, they had blue 
known as Mycenaean blue, which was made from a copper compound, and blue was typically used for monkeys. Um, yellow was used for uh, lions and was obtained, as Mr. King just said, from ochre. White was obtained from lime and was often used to depict um, women or goddesses. That's people who sort of stayed indoors and don't, don't let the sun touch their skin. A sign of status or wealth. Um, red was uh, obtained from hematite and um, was used for showing um, people who worked outside. So it could be slaves, could be working men, could be youths. And finally, we have green, and that was obtained by mixing blue and yellow together, or this malachite. And clearly, green would be used for vegetation. Great. Um, time to move on now to jewellery. Um, and one of the things about jewellery is there's lots of terminology um, that it's worth trying to remember. Ultimately, with writing in exams, it's very important that you realise that terminology is not the be-all and end-all of writing in exams. If you forget the word cloisonné, um, there are ways around it. Don't sort of sit there in an exam thinking, I just can't remember what it's called, so I'll leave it out. Okay, it's always worth talking around it, using um, your own words to describe this jewellery. Um, but there are some key uh, details which we're going to talk through now um, that you need to know about the way that the Mycenaeans um, made their their jewellery a little bit more interesting. Okay, let's start with repoussé. So repoussé is a technique where a design is hammered into an object from the inside of it. And this technique is used a lot when making signet rings. So I think it's also important to remember just how intricate these designs are. And a ring is so small and the fact that they can create images on them is very impressive. So for example, at the top of page 184, figure 2.3, the gold ring found in Tiryns, um, lion-headed spirit approaching a goddess. And as we can see, so there are four of these spirits, and I think it's very impressive, and I think we do need to remember how they managed to actually get these small, the dots and all the details onto a, such a small piece of jewellery. Great, so that's, that's repoussé. Um, thanks, Another Daisy. great example of repoussé is um, the death mask um, attributed to Agamemnon, which is one of your prescribed sources, and that's on page 195. Have a look at that for a great example of repoussé. Excellent. Um, let's have a look now at inlay. Um, now, what's, what's inlay then? Um, inlay is a technique when a metal was put on top of the other one and this is also seen on the lion hunt dagger that's the technique used used there and it's often on so yeah decorative swords and yeah it's a different metals putting on top of one to exactly yeah the, the different colors great and i guess this shows also that uh some of the um patterning um, and the way that they use things like gold um it must have been a, a culture in which there was quite a bit of money slushing around to be able to, to do this. So it's good evidence for that. Next one is uh, a, a French term. Uh, well, repoussé was French, but so is cloisonné. Um, don't worry if you can't pronounce it. It's the one that looks like cloison. Um, and that's a little bit like inlay, isn't it? But how, how does that differ from uh, inlay? What's, what's cloisonné? So cloisonné is where you get a fine wire and you solder it onto metal and then the key bit is adding gemstones or glass to, to make it pop. Um, very similar to the word filigree, which isn't used 
in bold in your textbook, but does appear. So filigree is, is the idea of creating a border around something by soldering wire, by twisting metal wire. A really good example of filigree um, can be seen on page 184, figure 2.31. This is the gold pixis. So um, the gold pixis is a wooden box with gold inlaid on top. The border, that, that raised dimpled border around each section is, used, is made using filigree. And then the, uh, the intricate designs of uh, deer are added on and lions and horses are added on using repoussé. Excellent. One more uh, of these decorative techniques to talk about, and that is granulation. Um, kind of, it, it does what it says on the tin, really. it's, it's granules, isn't it? Now, the best example of granulation from the Mycenaean world is, of course, not in your textbook. It is what's known as the gold pomegranate. Um, if you get on Google and type in gold pomegranate uh, Mycenae, Mycenaean, you will find this gorgeous artifact possibly a pendant to be worn on the end of a chain or possibly a brooch to a pin address but it's got really really small gold uh, granules uh, it's a beautiful artifact and made using the granulation technique if you want to see another one that is in your textbook page 187 you can see the mycenaean gold right on in the shape of a lion's head Good, okay. Um, in terms of um, things that you keep things in, um, <laughs> so kind of decorative storage vessels, um, we mentioned, um, I think, the Pixis and the storage box, but um, we, you do also uh, need to know about various different types of um, drinking vessels. Shall we whittle through some of the terms used regarding vessels? Yes. Let's start with pithos. Now that links, that, this is a very large storage vessel, uh, big enough to store a person. There's a nice link there. It's not used for storing people, um, but there's a very nice link there to our story of uh, Hercules when he came back with the boar um, and um, scared the king so much that he hid himself in a pithos, a big, large storage vessel. We then come to amphorae, which is the two-handled storage vessels. And that's exactly what the word means. Um, typically used for storing olive oil or perhaps wine. And we, again, there's a nice link to our myth and religion there because we look at the, um, the Panathenaic amphora that were given out as prizes to the victors with Athene on one side and a depiction of their contest on the other. Great, so if you look at uh, uh, what looks like a great drinking vessel or vase um, in an exam and it's not got two handles, well, it can't be an amphora then, can it? Um, next we come to craters. A crater is a bowl for mixing water and wine because of course um, Greek wine was far too strong to be drank neat as the Cyclops found out and you'll find out when we recap our Odyssey work. Um, in fact the warrior vase itself was a crater. The final specific term for a drinking vessel uh, you need to know is a kylix which is a handled drinking cup. The famous example of this is the one we study on Theseus, the Theseus Colix, which depicts his various labours. One more um, vessel, um, and we've already mentioned it, but um, it's just worth going back over it, is the Riton. Um, they aren't all shaped like lion's uh, heads, but the one that you've got on page 187 is shaped like a lion's head. 
it's sort of cone shaped um, and designed to sort of pour liquid out. Um, there is another really famous one, um, unfortunately not shown here, but you can search for it, and that is the bull's head right on, which I think it's fair to say is more impressive um, yeah. in terms of how it looks than the uh, lion's head. I think the two right. learning points from, from these, uh, these Ritter is firstly that actually they're quite impractical. They wouldn't really sit on a table particularly well. They wouldn't be able to put down comfortably. So they are clearly elaborate. They're an example of uh, form over function, style over use. And secondly is it's evidence of trade with the Minoan civilization. So the lion, very typical of Mycenae, whereas the bull itself is a typical symbol of Minoan culture. Great. Um, just one other thing to mention um, is the stirrup jar, um, and that is on page 186 at the top right. Um, you've got uh, this kind of carrying uh, handle going over the top, over the, uh, the fake spout, and then you've got that big um, spout sticking out. Um, you can see really well there. That's a stirrup jar, basically called a stirrup jar because it looks like a horse's uh, stirrup. Um, it wasn't at the time designed because the Greeks didn't have stirrups, but when somebody found one, they went, ah, oh, looks like a stirrup, so called it a stirrup jar. Now, the decoration of this is typical of Mycenaean pottery. They use this red colour, um, although it actually looks sort of like a dirty brown nowadays as it's faded over time. And rather than scenes from mythology, um, the Mycenaeans like to decorate their vessels either with geometric patterns, straight lines or repeating curves and circles or they used um, maritime um, um, sea animals and rather than depicting them accurately they turned them into again almost geometric shapes one more thing now to uh, go on to and that is decorative items that didn't really have any purpose other than being decoration and that is um, figures animal figures human figures votive offerings um, and they tended to be made out of clay or ivory so the three clay figurines, figures that you need to know, you can see clearly on page 188, and they are a phi figurine, uh, a psi figurine, and a tau figurine. These are named after the Greek letters that they closely resembled, and they're best described as votive offerings. That is something given or offered up to the gods in exchange uh, for some kickback. I will give you this figurine if you help me out with something, uh, a request and answer to a prayer. And they're sort of bird-like, sort of female, sort of goddess figures. There's a lot of ambiguity with them. The final figure on page 188 to look at is this beautiful, really ornate ivory figurine. The realism in the facial expressions and in the drapery, the detail carving into it is very, very impressive. And obtaining ivory would have been quite, a, quite some feat, probably being traded from Africa. That would be the elephants. They would also have used hippopotamus uh, ivory, but also, as we've mentioned before, boar ivory um, to make these. Um, that ivory sculpture gives me another opportunity to make a bit of a plug for the National Archaeological Museum in Athens, which is where you can find that. If you are going to Athens, uh, please don't miss out the National Archaeological Museum. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. It's not the only ivory um, figurine that's been found. There are also um, various different uh, inlays um, into furniture, things like sphinxes, dolphins, columns, shells, shields, and that sort of thing. They did like a bit of ivory, the Mycenaeans. So that leads us to the end of decorative arts. Um, that's section three. 
Um, and only one more on the Mycenaean world. Let's say thank you again uh, to Daisy for joining us for this uh, podcast. Um, and um, also to Mr. Watkins uh, for uh, his erudition. <laughs> <laughs>